You're clocked out. We're locked in. You're listening to Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. What's up, Acadiana? Happy Wednesday. It's Masters Wednesday and it's hump day. Yeah. Tried to do the camel impression. Probably wasn't that great, but that's fine. Crunch time with Miguez and Mesh here on the game. Matt Miguez, producer extraordinaire slash co-host with the most. James Mesh rocking the the hot shot Swanson Harlem Globetrotters jersey. The best to ever do it. The best to ever do it. All four foot five of them. Four foot five. He's the shortest globetrotter in team history. Yeah, he is. And so, for for context, James and I, along with RP3, we went to the Harlem Globetrotters last night. And, um, God, for being four foot five, he really could shoot the lights out. That was... That was something, and and I, I get it. The Harlem Globetrotters is a show for you know twelve year olds, but I had a blast uh, watching them just you know bob and weave the ball around the court and bounce past dunks and I don't know it was a good time, and uh, Hammer Harrison trying to to hit on mom sitting courtside was uh, was fun too, James. What were what were your thoughts on the Globetrotters? Oh, I loved it. I loved every minute of it. <laughs> yeah, we we, we know <laughs> <laughs> your your bank account knows it too. <laughs> your bank account uh, knows how much you loved it too. Oh man, I mean, I mean, yeah, kind of. I bought I bought this ball and, and this ball and, and, and I, I bought, bought a jersey, jersey and I was, I felt bad about buying a shirt and a ball. Come on, man. I didn't even realize that they had two different types of balls. That's the thing. Because, like, yeah. my, my friend that I brought with me, he was like, hey, you know, like, they have, like, the actual, like, good quality ball. Like the game ball, yeah. And I was like, well, shoot. <laughs> that sucker was $90. <laughs> it was. The regular one was 30 Oh. And then the jersey that I'm wearing it was 70 so if you can you do are, basic math, you, you know I spent just under two hundred. You are you you must be some rich man. I, I'd I'd like I'd like to know, you know. It's more well, it's more of impulse purchase. I don't like to buy too much stuff. You could have fooled me. I'm sure I could have. Could have fooled me. <laughs> we got a fun show for you today. It is a like I said, it is a Masters Wednesday, which leads me into our poll question. In honor of the Masters, what is your favorite golf movie of all time? Is it Happy Gilmore? Is it Caddyshack? Is it The Legend of Bagger Vance? Is it any other golf movie of all time? I don't know of many more, but I'm sure there are some. Uh, so get those votes in, comments as well. I uh, will post it to the Facebook page as well. And uh, so on today's show, we're going to talk about the Cajuns baseball team, who, uh, as James alluded to, took it on the chin and also in the gut and the kidney last night. 
got absolutely pummeled. That's fine. You know, it happens. It's baseball. Uh, LSU hosted Grambling last night at the box and won that one in rather dominating fashion. What was it? 15 to 3 in seven innings? 16. 16 to 3 in seven innings. I mean, that's just absurd. And we're going to talk the Masters with Tim Brando. We're going to talk the Astros with, um, well, actually, we're just going to talk the Astros in a, in advance of their first regular season game tomorrow. Crazy that baseball is going to be back in full swing for a while there. It didn't seem like it was going to happen at all. And then at 530, we'll have Christian Clark join us to talk to Pelicans because the Pelicans are in the play-in tournament. And the Lakers are officially out. Like, out-out. Like, can't get it. The door has been closed, locked, key has been thrown away, they're not getting in. Greatest thing about all of this is not only will the Pelicans be considered a postseason team, regardless of what happens with the play-in, they might end up with the Lakers' top 10 pick. You know what the chances are, according to Andrew Lopez, as of this morning, James? I did not see it, but like... 99.6. Oh, okay. That was a lot more than I expected. There is a 99.6% chance that the Pelicans end up with the Lakers pick. Those are pretty good odds. Yeah. <laughs> to say the least. Yeah. <laughs> um... So that is that is massive. And then, you know, the news yesterday from Zion's stepdad that he's apparently happy in New Orleans. That was contrary to what a lot of people have been saying lately. So if the Pelicans can get him to sign a long-term extension with C.J. McCollum and then you get a lotto pick, oh, boy, look out. The Pelicans might make some noise. Also... The Saints. I have sources telling me that Tyron Matthew wants to come to New Orleans. The Saints want him in New Orleans. However, both team, both parties are staying very firm on their number. I don't know what the numbers are, but they are staying firm on their number. So we'll see what happens with that. Uh, the Saints have been known for letting high-quality talent slip away because they weren't willing to shell out a little extra money, a.k.a. Mark Ingram, a.k.a. You know, Jarvis Landry, Deshaun Watson, Odell Beckham Jr., need I go on. So we'll see what happens with that. James, I got to ask you, Do you, realistically, do you see Tyron Matthew ending up in New Orleans? I don't think so. Because. I don't like that answer. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure you don't. I wouldn't doubt it. But it feels like Tyron, I don't think it's necessarily about the money, but I know the Saints, they have a cap. They have a certain point that they're willing to spend on a certain position. And if you ask even 
200k above it, they're not going to budge. They it it doesn't matter for them. They've also signed three different safeties just this offseason and re-signed another. I think they could go get another one if they really need to. That's another budget option. Or they could go in the draft and get one in like the fourth or fifth round that they see that could ha- that has a nice potential. Or someone that they feel like could play some downs that could help them while we wait for Marcus May. How long do you think Marcus May is going to be out? I haven't gotten a lot of I haven't seen a lot of status updates on his Achilles update, but I do know that we're still awaiting to hear something about that DWI. Which I would believe that would get addressed at some point soon. And I feel like let's say Marcus may miss the first three weeks and he's finally healthy for like week four, week five. Yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if Goodell threw out a suspension like week four week five or right. or he waits like four or five weeks to be like hey uh week nine week ten uh we're gonna throw a we're gonna do a five six game suspension so then you lose him for the next five six games and then he comes back for the final three right right so we only would play like half the season not even yeah that's not great so it's it's not looking super great. Would it really help right now to have him to start the season? Oh yeah, oh yeah. You can never go wrong having a honey badger on your team. But knowing that we've seen PJ Williams come in at times to be free safety, not the worst thing in the world. We saw Justin Evans was supposedly had. A good chance as a second rounder, formerly of the Bucks, that he would be a starter at strong safety. So the fact that he's healthy now, right, right. I don't think that they're super worried about it, and I think they'll just make do with what they got because they're not they're not in a pressing need to quote unquote overpay on a on a safety, even if it is the Honey Badger. Yeah. Um they don't they don't need one but i just anytime you have a guy from new orleans that wants to be in your locker room as a locker room leader i just feel like you got to find a way to make that happen it, it's all but the thing is he said he wants to be there never said he needs to be there he he was also quoted as saying that he feels that the saints don't need him cuz they don't yeah, so it's like, it just feels like with that, neither of them are like, oh, I need you. We we really, really need you. And Tyra's like, not necessarily saying, I'd like to be there, but it's not like his heart is like, yes, I want, I need to be here in New Orleans and be a saint. Right. So that's, that's another reason why I don't think that this will ultimately come to fruition. I think he'll ultimately sign with a different team. We'll see what happens. Looking at our poll question before we take timeout number one. What is your favorite golf movie of all time? So far, 62.5% say Happy Gilmore. 37.5% say Caddyshack. And we've got two comments. Derek B. says Happy Gilmore for me. Seen it easily 100 times. 
but Tin Cup deserves some love. Okay, so that's interesting. I'd never heard of Tin Cup, but I Googled it, right? Wanted to sound like I knew what I was talking about, so I Googled it. It is a 1996 American romantic comedy and sports film starring Kevin Cosner. And reading like the quick synopsis, dude, it, it, it feels a lot like Happy Gilmore. He was a golf pro with a bright future, but his rebellious nature and bad attitude cost him everything. Now he's a golf instructor, instructor who falls in love with his newest student, who is a psychiatrist and happens to be the girlfriend of a PGA Tour star and Roy's rival. After he gets humiliated by his rival at a celebrity golf tournament, Roy decides to make a run for the PGA Tour as well as Molly's heart. Tell me that's not Happy Gilmore. Or at least a very similar premise. I can't believe I've never seen that movie. And then also, looking at the comments, Ton jumps in, we're going to see the age gap here. And it's a gif from Caddyshack when he's, he's hitting the flowers. Just a Cinderella boy, the former greenskeeper, about to become the Masters champion. We'll take a timeout here, and when we come back, we'll talk some Tigers baseball getting a big win over Grambling at the box last night in seven innings. This is the game, 103.7 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. It's in the hole! Got something to say to Miguez and Mesh? Hell yeah! It's easy. Just call the hotline by dialing 337-706-0111. Now, back to more Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh. Here on The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. This baseball season turned K's into cash and bigots into big wins with FanDuel Sportsbook. Right now, new customers can step up to the plate with a risk-free first bet up to $1,000. Just sign up, place your first bet, and FanDuel will refund you up to $1,000 back in site credit if you don't win. The app is so easy to use, it's safe and secure, you get paid fast when you win, and they have great promotions every day. One bet that I like a lot is the fact that the Astros will win three of the first four and win their series against the Los Angeles Angels as they are going to Anaheim today, actually. See for yourself why FanDuel is America's number one sports book. Download the FanDuel Sportsbook app and sign up using promo code KLWB to get started with a risk-free first bet up to $1,000. That's promo code KLWB. You must be 21 or older and present in Louisiana and permitted parishes only. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. A bonus issue is non-withdrawable site credit that expires in 14 days after the receipt. Restrictions do apply. See full terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. And if you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-877-770-STOP. Welcome back to Crunch Time with me, guys, and Mesh here on The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Let's talk some Tigers baseball now. 16-3 to last night over Grambling. Tigers getting 16 runs on 18 hits. With only one error, Grambling getting three runs on five hits with one error as well. The inning that really broke Grambling's back was giving up nine runs in the fourth. Yeah, that's right. Nine. After the fourth inning, it was 15-2 to two in favor of the Tigers. Every... The Tigers 
went around the order four times. 16 runs, 18 hits, 14 RBIs, 9 walks, 18 strikeouts. They left 13 runners on base. Think about that. Think about that, James. They scored 16 runs, and they stranded 13. So could you imagine if you cut down that number in half of their left on base? You're talking a 21 to 3 ball game. That's brutal. Absolutely brutal. Again, 16 to 3 in 7 innings. The Tigers needed that one because now the it, it was their it was their get right game before traveling to Starkville this weekend to play Mississippi State, the defending national champions. They'll play three games against the Bulldogs, 7 o'clock on Friday, 2 o'clock on Saturday, and 1 o'clock on Sunday. But, you know, looking at the, the box score for the game last night with Grambling, it was a it was a home run barrage for the Tigers. Tigers hit four in the game, two from Hayden Travinsky, one from Jacob Berry, and one from Dylan Cruz. They call it a Cruz missile. So yeah, Cruz getting a home run, Barry getting a home run, Hayden Travinsky, their catcher, getting two home runs as well. Jordan Thompson getting three RBIs, Travinsky getting three RBIs. Gavin Duga getting an RBI, Trey Morgan, Barry with two, Cruz with two. But then one thing that a lot of people aren't talking about is Cade Beloso. Cade Beloso came back last night. He pinch hit for the Tigers. Uh, only one plate appearance. He ended up leaving two runners on base. But the fact that he was able to get back in the lineup is is a huge sign for Jay Johnson and his program as you know their their stretch gets a little bit trickier cuz you got Mississippi State and then you come home to play Lamar but then you go to Arkansas and then you've got UL Missouri you play a good UNO team on a weeknight Georgia Nichols Bama Southeastern Ole Miss and then you go to Vandy to end the regular season. That's what that's what sucks about the SEC is that that once you get in the conference, there are no more easy games. Except a few weeknight games here and there. But but for the most part, that is a brutal grind of a schedule for the Tigers Taylor getting Garrett Taylor getting the win. Two innings pitched, four hits, two runs, both earned, five Ks. Trent Vittmeyer going two innings as well, only giving up one hit, striking out six. Garrett Edwards pitching a full inning, one run unearned, two strikeouts. Fowler got an inning and a third with four Ks. And then Hasty, two-thirds of an inning with one K. Bullpen games are are interesting, but it's good when you can have a bullpen game and use the minimal number of pitches or pitchers. Tigers only going through five pitchers last night 
against Grambling. Uh, by the way, phone lines are open, 706-0111. And here in Acadiana, you can watch the simulcast on Stadium 32.3 and Channel 133 on LUS Fiber. So again, Tigers winning 16-3. to Grant Taylor getting the win. With the win, the Tigers improved to 20-9 and on the year. Now, I'm glad I brought that part up. 20 and 9, right? And there are people, I know they're 4 and 5 in the conference. And I know that that's not great. And that's probably not where Jay Johnson envisioned them being to open up SEC play. But there's people that are going around saying, oh, you know, this team's not very good, blah, 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 you know. And yeah, they commit way too many errors. Their bullpen depth is a little concerning. I get all that. And 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 those are valid concerns to have. I get all that. I really do. But 29 is not horrible by any stretch of the imagination. You have a winning percentage of almost 70%. Let's pump the brakes on on saying that this team isn't very good. The hitting's there. The offense is 100% there. If you look at the statistics, I mean, Jacob Berry, 371, Cade Doty, 365, Dylan Cruz, 342, Trey Morgan, 331, Braden Jobert, 320, Jordan Thompson, 317, Gavin Dugod, 299. Six of your seven regulars are hitting 300-plus. That's absurd. The offense is there. Pitching's got to come around. And that's going to happen. And when that does, if the bats can stay how they are, this team's going to make a deep run. And they're going to do it rather quickly, too. Um, so everybody just needs to kind of you know, relax, like Aaron Rodgers used to say, R-E-L-A-X, relax. And just let it happen. It's a young group. It's a fairly new group. Jacob Berry's a first-year player at uh, at LSU. So it, it's going to take time to get them together. But once once those wheels keep rolling, it's going to be hard to stop a team like this. That's all I'm saying. Once again, don't forget our Twitter poll question and Facebook poll question. Favorite golf movie of all time. Ken Morton. Bagger Vance is about real golf. None of this 450-yard drive stuff. Ken, the 450-yard drives are fun. When Happy Gilmore hits that ball from his yard and, and, and hits the man in the window down the road, it's funny. And then, well, no, he hits the woman, and then the man comes and like, hey, what's wrong, honey? And then he gets hit too. Like, that's funny. Bagger Vance is a great movie, though. I'll give you that. I will give you that. It is a classic. We'll take a time out right here. When we come back, we'll continue the golf conversation with legendary sportscaster Tim Brando. Uh, we'll talk to Masters. I'll get his thoughts on March Madness and some more Masters because that's the pressing issue here. Here on the game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Had a rough day at work. Got lady problems. 
Not to worry, because you have two wingmen right here. You can be my wingman anytime. Now back to more Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh here on The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. You can experience Festival International like never before by winning the game's Festival International Prize Pack. Sign up for our rewards club at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com and you will get the chance to score a pair of Bonton passes. You'll get exclusive access to the front row and stage areas, shaded seating, air-conditioned restrooms, express drink lines, shirts, pens, and a festival poster. Experience Festival like never before by winning the Festival International Prize Pack from the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Welcome back to Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh. One of the greatest weekends in sports is the weekend of the Masters in Augusta, Georgia, at Augusta National. And to make it even better, Tiger Woods is in the mix a year after his horrific car accident. To talk about Tiger, the Masters as a whole, and we'll sneak in a little bit of March Madness conversation, is the legendary sports broadcaster, Mr. Tim Brando. Tim, good afternoon, my friend. How are you? Wonderful. Miguez and Mesh, it's a pleasure to be on. Yeah, absolutely. You know, looking at the, looking at the Masters field as a whole, you know, you got Jordan Spieth, you got Tiger, you have Dustin Johnson, Scotty Scheffler, Vander Shifley, you know, you can go on and on. But here in Louisiana, you know, a lot of people are looking at Sam Burns from Shreveport, went to LSU. You know, walk me through what, what kind of chance does, does Sam have this weekend? Well, I think a lot of times when you're playing that golf course and you're new to the Masters, and he is new to Augusta National, there are some aspects in the short game uh, and just knowing where to land the ball, where to approach from, all those nuances that make such a difference that uh, it's, you know, making the cut is actually quite an achievement. Uh, But he also is one of those guys that can overpower a golf course. And because of that, uh, he's one of the long ball hitters that gives him an opportunity. Uh, You know, you can afford to spray the ball a little bit at Augusta National. That's one of the reasons why I think Tiger is giving him a shot. This is a golf course that's always been made made to order for him and uh and and he's not even a long ball hitter anymore he would be probably in the middle of the field in terms of overall driving distance and that would have been true even before he had his accident uh i'll be interested in seeing how sam gets around um the uh the golf course as it relates to the short game more than anything else uh and i think his tee time is what is it, One nineteen, I believe it is. It's in the afternoon. Usually uh, the winds kick up uh, later in the day. In the four years that I got to cover the Masters uh, digitally for CBS uh, and Masters.com, that's the thing that I noticed the most. And um, I, honestly, I, I think that uh, the chances of him being on the, on the leaderboard uh, by the end of Friday and, and cut-down day are pretty good. Uh, how he handles the weekend is a is a different issue, but I've I've picked him as one of my top five choices. Um, I think that guys like Morikawa, uh, who have great iron, 
play, but also just are magnificent with the flat stick. You got to take those into consideration. That's why Jordan Spieth is always there. You know, not terribly accurate off of the fairway, uh, but always really good around the greens and on the putting surfaces, uh, which is you know huge there. There have been a lot of great ball strikers that could not win at Augusta. Hal Sutton couldn't. Lee Trevino couldn't. Um, those were tremendous ball strikers, both those guys. And uh, but others that are just outstanding with the flat stick have always done well. You know, Ben Crenshaw with multiple uh, green jackets as an example. So I think that the the thing with Sam is that he's a very streaky putter. Uh, he but he's not a great putter. Uh, I think his ball striking capability and his length will really give him a good shot, though. First things first, though, got to make the weekend. Yeah, no, no doubt about it. Looking at the the tee times, Sam Burns does tee off at one nineteen Eastern tomorrow. But you know that kind of leads me into my next question, Tim. If I'm when I'm looking at the the tee times and the pairings, there's plenty of of star power getting paired together. DeChambeau and Cameron Smith, uh, Scotty Scheffler and Tony Finau. Yeah. I, I saw one group. It was Rory McIlroy. Brooks Kepka, Matthew Fitzpatrick, you got Shifley and Spieth together, Cantlay and Rom together. Why do you think the yeah. Masters d- does that where, you know, you've got so much star power in each group? Because it moves the needle. Uh just like having Tiger Woods coming back to play moves the needle. Uh the guys at Augusta know what they're doing. <laughs> they also know what they're doing by not having any network broadcast coverage until the afternoon. I mentioned earlier I used to do it digitally. Uh, and I did it for four years there in uh, 10, 11, 12, and 13. And, and I remember the first time I was doing feature groups with Scott McCarron, and I remember getting through with my work uh, one morning and uh, going to lunch. I took an hour off, and then it would come back after lunch, and I ran into Billy Payne, who was the executive director of the tournament, a Georgia grad, a guy that played for Vince Dooley in the 60s. And he knew me well, and he didn't know I do, that I could do golf. And he struck up a conversation with me about golf, and I explained to him my affinity for the sport and how much I kept up with it through the years. And, and uh, you know, he was, he was talking about, uh, and I said to him, I said, how did you listen to me? I didn't think many people were listening to Masters.com. I didn't think about streaming coverage being that big of a deal. And he said, Tim, up around the veranda, Behind the oak tree, there, where everybody gets together, all those all those houses, the, all the cabins, uh, they all have the feature groups on uh, on Masters.com because there's no television. Right. You know, you think now of of all the majors. Now you pretty much see every shot, but you don't uh, with the Masters because they like to keep television broadcast to a minimum, so it drives more people to watch it when it's available. They also love the idea of streaming video, and they want to promote, you know, their their streaming coverage, and they get a lot of it because they don't have it available anywhere else, you know. And that's even true on Thursday and Friday when ESPN's doing the early rounds. Not not just when CBS uh, does, you know, they don't come on the air until the afternoons on uh, Saturday and Sunday. So they are great at marketing. Uh, if you've ever been on the grounds at Augusta and you've gotten a ticket, and you've gone in, you go in, and you, you're able to buy uh, all of this uh, incredible Masters logoed material, shirts, hats, bags, whatever, and the price is not too high. 
It really isn't. And the reason it's not is because only the few people that get in can actually buy that stuff. Right. You know, they, they are marketing geniuses, the people in the green jackets. And that, that they want to create buzz early in the rounds. And by having these storylines connected to the pairings, they're able to produce just that. Chatting with Tim Brando. You know, Tim, you mentioned Tiger Woods making making a comeback here at the Masters first golf tournament he's going to play since his car accident a little little less than 14 months ago. He obviously looks great in in, in his practice rounds this week, but practice rounds and the real deal are two different things. What what kind of Tiger Woods do you expect to see this weekend? Well, I think early on he'll play uh, really well. Uh, the the issue for him, I think, will be stamina, uh, and and will he hold up? Will that leg hold up when you're walking that golf course because it's steep? I've I've walked it uh, all four Tuesdays that I was there, uh, practice round days. I I walked the golf course, and you know, at the end of that walk, you can feel it because it's pretty steep. The undulations and the, the hills and valleys in there are uh, immense. And I could see when he was playing um, with Fred Couples, they had some video of him just walking, and it's noticeable that um, that one leg is a problem just in his walk. The swing itself looked really, really good. And I believe when he said, I, I could win this tournament, I, I don't doubt Tiger Woods' competitive nature. I think that he would be teeing it up if he didn't feel that uh, he wasn't going to embarrass himself. And so I fully expect him to play well early and uh, might even find himself on the on the leaderboard uh, early because, as I said, he, he knows this golf course better than anyone in the field. But over the course of the weekend and as time goes on, uh, I wonder about his stamina and how that leg will hold up over time. You know, a lot of times I mentioned around the greens, there are some incredibly difficult lies that you can get around uh, the the, uh, the bunkers that you find, uh, greenside bunkers that are around there. And as I mentioned, the slope of the course being what it is, hanging lies and that kind of thing will put some stress, you know, on anyone in great in great condition. Uh, and, and Tiger's not in great condition. He's in probably the best of anyone that could have gone through what he did, but he's still not at 100%. That's that's without question. So uh, I think he could potentially make the cut and, and be a factor. His name might even be up there on Saturday, but uh, I don't see any way that he wins it. But then again, we've said that before about him, haven't we? Yeah, no, we have, and you know, you talked about the, you talked about the slopes and and you know the incredible lies. Tiger's Tiger's no stranger to that. I mean, go back to the 16th hole in 05. Yeah. So I mean, yeah, in, he, he's a shot maker. Yeah. You know, it's, and a lot of times he's he invites that kind of uh, golf, and he loves it. It's, he considers it a challenge, and rises to the level to make the shot that he feels only he can make. Uh, but I, you know, look, it's been. Um, it's been 14 months, and this was a significant, significant injury, uh, and one that I think um, is going to keep him in, you know, from getting where he wanted to get in terms of the record that he wanted to set, passing uh, Jack Nicklaus. But I admire the fact that he's doing it. I think the 
the personal makeover that Tiger was in the midst of when he last won at Augusta. It was an historic victory, no question. Uh, but it was, it's one, and I had always felt that if he was going to get another major, it would be at Augusta because he loves the course and understands it better than anyone. But uh, at the same time, uh, I think there are so many other guys in the field now, so many, so much more maturation with these young guns that were just beginning to take over when when Tiger, you know, had the uh, the car wreck, and uh, and I think they've only gotten better. You know, Patrick Cantlay was had a had a bulky putter uh, eighteen months ago. Well, now he's 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 extremely hot around the greens. Scheffler was a similar story, and now he's number one. Right. Uh, and all the other guys that are dying to win there that you know understand the golf course and have been around the leaderboards, you can bet Justin Thomas is thinking this is his time. Um, Xander Schauffele still has not won a major. He won at the Olympics, but he hasn't won a major. And he's been there. He's been on the, on the cusp of winning uh, at Augusta National. So I just think the field now of, of the youth movement has gotten so strong and so deep that it's going to be all the more difficult for a guy like Tiger Woods to accomplish 18 to 19 major championships. Right, and you know another youth, youthful name as well as Zalatoris. Finished second last oh, year. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. Uh, so, you There's know, tons he, of them out there. I yeah, mean, he's going to be you almost feel You almost feel like you're leaving somebody out after you've named five or six. Right. You know, right. you really do. So Sunday afternoon when the sun starts to set in Augusta, Georgia, who's putting on a green jacket? <laughs> well, I, I have said Colin Morikawa uh, all all week because I think that uh, he's he's got the total package. Uh, as great an iron player as he is, he's also a big time putter. Um, I, I also think we overlook John Rahm a lot. You know, Rahm came of age a year ago, um, and, and um, he seems to have settled down with his temperament. And by the way, speaking of temperament i think that's the other thing that sam's gotta be very mindful of is uh you know at the players he was in a position to really do well uh on saturday and then uh, one bad shot kind of got in his head and it affected him for the next three holes and and then he was lapped by the field you can't allow that to happen and i know these guys expect a lot of themselves but they also have to understand that it's just a hole. And especially if you're a bomber, and Sam is a bomber, you can really get well on the par fives at Augusta. Right. You know, uh, Bubba Watson won back-to-back, not just because Bubba uh, had, had great shot-making ability, which he did. Everybody remembers the playoff, and I was there for that one. Uh, when he came out of the straw, the pine oh, straw, yeah. and made that incredible shot. But Bubba being a left-hander with incredible length, was able to get past a lot of the trouble that was out there. And that, by the way, is still my sleeper. You know, with Mickelson out of the field, you know, Bubba, it, to me, is he's got to be considered because he's a bomber and he's, uh, he's a lefty, and the golf course is made for a left-hander that can work the ball. And no one works it right to left with power any more than Bubba Watson. Uh, but I like Colin Morikawa, and I'm going to go JT after him. And I'll slide slinging Sammy Burns into the third hole. How about that? Hey, I like it. I like it. One, <laughs> one more, one more quick one before I let you run, Tim. 
uh, just your just your overview on March Madness as a whole and the incredible Final Four that was in New Orleans this past weekend. Well, as much as I, I love uh, college football, and I think everybody here in Louisiana, especially in South Louisiana, knows how much I do. Uh, the number one sporting event in our country, in my opinion, is the NCAA tournament. And the best weekend is the Final Four. The Saturday semifinals are, to me, uh, must-see. I've only missed three Final Fours since 1981, and of course that included last year because of the pandemic. And I worked 18 of those uh, tournaments and regional finals for CBS uh, in the time that I was there. I, I don't miss working it. Uh, I do miss, I would miss watching it if, if it weren't available to me. And thank God it is, and I was able to enjoy it in my home state this, this week. It was tremendous, absolutely tremendous. And I was really proud of New Orleans and proud of our state for doing such a great job hosting it. A lot of my friends and colleagues in the business uh, agree that uh, if they put it in the uh, Crescent City every year, uh, they'd love it even more because no one hosts a Final Four any better than New Orleans. Right. Um, I hope people will begin to understand that college basketball is a, a game of evolution and a game where we really need to pay attention to what's going on with the team some in the regular season uh, because they would have been more informed and perhaps not a surprise with all the upsets that took place. But even after all the great upsets dominated and the, the Duke-North uh, Carolina rivalry took center stage on Saturday, it was still the lone number one seed that had played the best all year long of those teams remaining that wound up winning the national championship. So uh, I think we got everything we wanted and then some uh, out of March Madness this year. Yeah, you're definitely not wrong. It was one for the ages. Legendary broadcaster Tim Brando has been our guest. Tim, I really appreciate you taking the time. Enjoy the Masters this weekend, and we'll talk to you down the line, my friend. You too. Anytime. All my best to the people of the Cadianas. Thanks, Tim. You bet. Tim Brando. God, what an interview. We'll take one last time out for hour number one. We'll get you set for hour number two when we come back. Here on the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. They could debate who should win the MVP, but they'd rather argue who has the best hair in sports talk radio. We just wash the hair. You know, I work on my hair a long time, and you, and you hit it. It hits my hair. Now back to more of the stylish crunch time with Miguez and Mesh here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Tune in Thursday night to the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles as the Houston Astros open up their 2022 season on the road against the Los Angeles Angels. First pitch is set for 8.38 p.m. And you can listen to Robert Ford and Steve Sparks on the call right here on the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Crunch time with me, guys, and Mesh on this Tuesday. Let's take a look at the Twitter poll question before we head to break. In honor of the Masters, what is your favorite golf movie of all time? 29% say Caddyshack. 47% say Happy Gilmore. I've got 18% for Legend of Bagger Vance. And then 6% have commented. Uh, JK says 10 cup. Give me the ball. I, I need to go see this movie. I think I'm going to go home tonight and watch 10 Cup because I, I can't believe I've never seen that movie. It sounds like sounds right up my alley. Hour number two, Christian Clark 
will join us to talk some Pelicans. And we'll take your phone call, 706-0111 on the game hotline. With the Masters tomorrow, does Tiger win? Does Sam Burns win? Does Louisiana kid get a green jacket? We've got a lot to talk about. It's going to be a fun weekend. Hour number one has come and gone. Here on Crunch Time with me, guys, in Mesh. Hour number two on the other side of this timeout. Here on the game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Don't move a muscle. We'll be right back. You're clocked out. We're locked in. You're listening to Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Hour number two. Crunch time with me, guys, and Mesh here on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. All right, I got to fill you in on a joke. It's pretty funny, actually. Uh, I'm going to poke fun at myself here. So when I laugh, especially when I laugh, you know, hard. So I'm a bigger guy, right? So when I laugh, like, really hard, I start wheezing for some unknown reason. And so now James likes to call me Carl Weezer. You know, Jimmy Neutron, the younger people, people our age will will remember Jimmy Neutron. And uh, James, hit him, with your, hit him with your Carl Weezer impression. Hi, Jimmy's mom. There it is. There it is. Quassel. <laughs> there it is. Oh, my God. Oh, man. Hi, Jimmy's mom. Why are we the way that we are? Phone lines are open, 706-0111. If you want to get in on this show and here in Acadiana, you can watch the simulcast on Stadium 32.3 and Channel 133 on LUS Fiber. Cajun Softball is going to head down I-10 to Lake Chuck tonight to play the McNeese Cowgirls. First pitch is at 6.30. Looking at McNeese's schedule, 21-14 and 14 so far this season, and they are rolling. You count If you take away the game that, against LSU that was postponed last Wednesday, they have won 10 straight. 10 straight. James, 10 straight. 10 straight. How many have they won? Nine straight plus one. Nine straight plus one. Okay, yeah. cool. There we go. And one, two, three, four, five, six of them, five of them actually, were mercy ruled. And then one of them was won by forfeit. The Cajun women, that, that softball team, man. Jerry, Jerry Glasgow, is he's doing really well for this squad being predominantly freshmen. Yeah. Like this is, this is a really young team. 20, 23 and 9, they've won four, five, six, seven of their last eight. Their one loss being that 5 4 loss on Sunday to Texas State. So in, in Lake Charles tonight, you're going to have a battle of, of two really good, um, two really good softball teams. And Monday, you know Jerry Glasgow, with, with in his weekly press conference, he mentioned that Alexa Langliers could possibly be back this week. 
Uh, he didn't know if she'd be back tonight or by Friday, but he, he said that they would get her back at some point. He did mention that, that Kendra Lamb, they were trying to find the balance between her being healthy and her being prepared. Uh, he, he talked about how she likes to throw bullpen sessions like every day. But he has to re- he has to find the fine line to where she's prepared and not overworking herself. And then he uh, also oh go ahead. I think that she wants to pitch. Kendra's a kid that likes to throw every day. She she's a she wants to do a bullpen five days a week, four days a week. We got conflicting things there. You know, you've got her mental approach, or she wants to go do a bullpen, even if it's a short, quick. 30, 40 pitch bullpen. She wants to do it. She's a pitcher who likes to pitch on Thursday. She likes to, if we're going into a Friday, Saturday, and Sunday series. But at the same time, yeah, I think rest would help would help with this. And so we're going to have to walk the tightrope between enough rest and enough work. To Physically, the rest is needed and mentally the work is needed. But I do think it's day-to-day, and I think you'll see her pitch uh, throughout this week. I don't think it's, we're going to lose her per se. It's just getting her back to where she's as effective as she can be. And so Kendra Lamb obviously is the is the ace for this softball team trying to to find her footing. She did have a perfect game, you know, about two weeks ago. But going back to the the Alexa Langlier's thing and what's gonna happen with that is once Alexa's back, you're gonna have to find somewhere to put Melissa Mayu, who has had a, a great stretch over the last, you know, week or so. Uh, so you really want to keep her in the lineup and keep her rolling the way she has been, but you also want to get the player who is who was leading your team in home runs before her injury in the lineup. So here's Coach Glasgow on getting Alexa back and fitting in Melissa Mayu. I think the one thing that we're hoping in a positive way, we're hoping to get Alexa Langlier back this week. I don't know whether it'll be on Wednesday night or we can get her back by the weekend, but I do know I was told that if everything continued, we believe we will have her back no later than Friday. And so then, you know, that's a kid that was leading our team in home runs when she went out, played a, a really high-level shortstop for us, and a, and a freshman that's important to our future who we want to continue to develop. So I, I think the other thing that, you know, Melissa has played so well you know, we we the last two weeks we her performances have been such that, you know, she's been considered as our nomination for the Sun Belt Player of the Week, and she didn't get it, but she was outstanding last week. And then again this week, look, she had a game-winning RBI against Texas. She had two home runs and a win against Texas State, and then she's played great defense. The one thing that she's got to stay on the field in my mind, and so we how do we make that lineup work? Keep Melissa on the field get the experience that we want to get for an outstanding young freshman in Alexa Langlers. And so things may have to change to accommodate getting Alexa in the lineup, but at the same time, I'm, I'm happy with overall with what we've seen the last seven games. On the other side, looking at the McNeese Cowgirls, uh, Coach Landrino had a press conference earlier this week as well. And lately, McNeese, like I said, been playing great softball, winners of 10 straight. And Coach Landrino talked about seeing the fruit of their labor in playing good softball. Well, you know, I, I feel like the team has been working really hard. And, and through the ups and downs of the season, trying to get in the rhythm, 
I'm just happy that they get to see a little bit of fruit of their hard labor. You know, that, that's what you want for your players, especially when they're doing it right. You know, they're showing up, they're putting in extra work, and our coaching staff has been working their butt off. And Coach Landry and Coach Corey and, and Denham have been busting their butt, trying to do everything we can to help these the players, put them in situations to help them. And to, just to see the reward kind of get to them and see, like, you know, after a while you work so hard, sometimes you kind of, gosh, dang, is it going to happen? But, you know, right now to be able to barrel up on some balls in time to hitting, you know, it's just been, it's been really nice just to see the calmness with two outs or two strikes that our team composes right now. Uh, they're staying composed in the box and not trying to force it. And we're able to, we're able to do damage with two outs. And anytime you're able to do damage with two outs, um, I think it's going to give you a real shot to win down the stretch. I always say good teams score with two outs. And you know, another part of Coach Landrino's message in this win streak is that he feels like his girls needed to remember why they play, and it's it's to be competitive. You know, we, we forget sometimes why we play this game, and, and ultimately. I hear all the time coaches say, oh, we play to win. Well, everybody wants to win. That's no, but I think we forget there, there's a formula if you want to win. You just go play less of competition. You're guaranteed to win. <laughs> you know, what, what you got to do is you, we play because we like to compete. And when you're in a true competition, you don't know what the end result's going to be. And sometimes you forget to enjoy those moments. You know, that's what you miss. You talk to every athlete that once they walk away from the game, what they miss, they miss that competition. They miss going up against somebody. And no, like I tell you, if you want to win, just go play a 10 year old softball team. You'll win those. That, that's easy, you know, but it line up against somebody that's going to challenge you. And I think that that's what we want to do. We, we want to be challenged. And, and sometimes I think in the hectic, uh, you know, whatever pressure comes and however it comes, you know, I think you forget to enjoy those moments. You forget to enjoy it. And, and that's what you train for. Why, if, if you, why else would you train so hard if you didn't want to be in that moment? Looking at McNeese statistics on the season, Jill Pillard is their leading hitter with a 377 batting average. She has played in 30 of their 35 games. 29 base hits, 26 runs scored, 8 doubles, 2 triples, 5 homers, 28 RBIs. She has a slugging percentage of 727. Second on this list is Kendall Talley, the Louisiana transfer be interesting for Kendall to to play against the Cajuns tonight she's a 357 average on the year 84 at bats 30 runs 30 hits five doubles two triples two homers 14 RBIs she's got a slugging percentage of 536 and then on the other side for the Cajuns Kayla Falterman leading hitter at 459 she has 17 runs 17 hits four doubles one triple four RBIs your leading RBI getter, Stormy Kotlinick, a three eighty three average, 94 at-bats, 36 hits, 24 runs, 10 doubles, 5 triples, 4 homers, 25 RBIs. Jordan Campbell right behind her with 23. And then you have Carly Heath and Sophie Piscos, each with 20. Looking at team statistics for the Cajuns, team batting average of three sixty four. You've hit 36 home runs on the year, 13 triples, 67 doubles. Scored 226 runs on 297 hits. Team slugging percentage right about 610. Team on base percentage 438. So here's here's an interesting t- t- statistic. God, I can't talk today. 
And James, I'm going to bring you in on this one. So the Cajun softball is hitting 364, okay, as a team. Pretty good, pretty good. Their opponents, 207. As a team, oh 207. Oh, wow. wow. Yeah, so Cajun's pitching has been... Lights out. Rather dominant. Team ERA of 2.46. They have given up 149 hits, 93 runs scored, 69 of those earned. They've only given up 12 home runs on the year, which is quite impressive. Uh, Vanessa Foreman with a 2.10 ERA and 10 appearances. And Sam Landry. I can't say enough about the kid. She's a freshman. She was the fourth-rated recruit in the country a year ago out, out of high school. She's a 2.25 ERA. She's 10-2 and two on the year in 15 appearances. She's thrown two complete games. 59 innings, 39 hits, 22 runs, 19 of those runs earned. 26 walks, 87 strikeouts on the season. Opponents are hitting 182 against her. Nuts for a freshman to step into a softball program of this much tradition and this much prestige and and perform the way that she has. Uh, Once again, Cajuns and Cowgirls, 6.30 tonight from Joe Miller Field at Cowgirl Diamond will bring you everything you need to know about this game later on tonight. Take a time out. When we come back, open phone lines. We'll talk some Saints. We'll talk some Cajuns baseball. And then at 5.30, Christian Clark will come in to talk the Pelicans in route to the postseason. Here on the game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Time to open up the vault for the games this day in sports history. April 6, 1992. Duke beats Michigan in the Fab Five 71-51 in the NCAA Men's Tournament Championship game. The win gives Coach K and the Blue Devils back-to-back national titles. That was this day in sports history. We now return to the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Let me ask you something. Have you joined the Game Clubhouse Rewards yet? Because if you haven't, today's the day. Not only is it free, but you will get the chance to enter to win tremendous free gifts, like a $150 gift certificate to Mr. Lester's Steakhouse or a $25 gift certificate for Mabel's Kitchen at Cypress Bayou. However, you can only win these gift cards. Again, $150 gift certificate to Mr. Lester's or $25 gift certificate to Mabel's Kitchen by joining the Game Clubhouse at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. So sign up today. Crunch time with me, guys, and Mesh. Welcome back. 20 minutes after 5 o'clock. We're going to talk some Cajuns baseball now. After, um, let's see, for lack of better terms, they got punched in the mouth last night. A whole lot. Fell to Louisiana Tech 7-3 to three over there at J.C. Love Field. Uh, according to Louisiana Tech's attendance numbers, 2,439. We're there to see it. The game took three hours and 18 minutes. It was neck and neck for the first couple innings. And in the bottom of the third, Taylor Young hit a absolute missile to left field to give them the one nothing lead. And a couple of batters later, Steel Netterville hits a double to left field, scoring Cole McConnell to make it 2 nothing. It was 2 nothing until the sixth when Carson Rockefort 
hit a single up the middle, and then advanced to second on a throw. Max Marshot coming around to score to make it 2-1. to one. And then in the seventh, Mr. Warner Rinconis. Two-run shot to left field. Three two Cajuns in the seventh. Kind of felt like you had a chance here. But here come the Bulldogs. And it was Mr. Logan McLeod hitting a home run to left field. Left field was a busy part of the ballpark last night to tie it up at three. And then shortly after that, Darius Myers gets walked with the bases loaded to score a run to make it 4-3. And then in the eighth, Cole McConnell, a two-run double to right field to make it 6-3. And then on a passed ball, Louisiana Tech gets another one to make it 7-3. And that would be all she wrote. Cajuns getting three runs on seven hits with no errors. Louisiana Tech, seven runs on six hits and two errors. Landon Tompkins getting the win for the Bulldogs. He improves to 3-0. Bo Bonds returning last night, getting the loss 2-2 in the year. And then Kyle Krieger getting the save. It was his fifth of the season. Looking at the Cajun stat lines, only one player with multiple hits, and it was Warner Winconis. Warner went two for four. One run scored, two RBIs, that two-run home run. And then you had Kemple, Rockefort, DeBarge, Robertson, and Marshock rounding out the hits. So it was important that you know the top of your order was getting hits. And the only problem is, is that of your top four, only one of them touched home plate. Max Marshock striking out twice. C.J. Willis striking out twice as well in his homecoming being from Ruston. Leaders for Louisiana Tech, Taylor Young, Cole McConnell, and Logan McLeod each getting two base hits. And then their lead RBI guy was Cole McConnell with two. He also walked twice and struck out twice. With the loss, the Cajuns fall to 14-14. and 14 while Louisiana Tech improves to 20-9. and nine. They'll play again tonight at 6 o'clock from J.C. Love Field in Ruston. Uh, looking to even the series the Cajuns are, and Ruston will stay at home this weekend to play Rice. 6 o'clock Friday, 2 o'clock Saturday, 1 o'clock on Sunday. The Cajuns will stay up north. Well, still a south, but further north than we are. Uh, they will travel into Jonesboro, Arkansas for a weekend Sunbelt Series with Arkansas State. First pitch Friday is at 6. First pitch Saturday is at 6. And then Sunday at 1 o'clock. They will return home to the friendly confines of Russo Park for four games next week. Tuesday night, they'll host McNeese. And then Thursday, Friday, Saturday, they will host UL Monroe. Again, Thursday, Friday, Saturday because of the Easter holiday uh tony robish that was one thing that tony really vouched for was that you didn't play baseball on easter sunday uh so the Sun Belt changed the way they do scheduling for easter weekend take a look at our twitter poll question in honor of the masters what's your favorite golf movie of all time james do you have one do you have a favorite golf movie i actually did vote in this i went with you went with happy gilmore of course you went with Happy Gilmore. How could um, I not? It's an I Adam mean, Sandler movie. You're right. You're right. Um, what's your favorite scene from Happy Gilmore? <laughs> I, 
<laughs> I distinctly remember the the one with the with the granny where she was like, "My fingers hurt." Oh yeah, <laughs> and, ben, and Ben Stiller. You you want some you want some water, Grandma? <laughs> no, dude, my my favorite one is when he beats the crap out of Bob Barker. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh, that's that's great. Or or when Chuss Peterson gets his hand, his wooden hand, hit hey, off. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, that's that's great. Thirty five percent of you say Caddyshack. Forty percent of you say Happy Gilmore. Fifteen percent say The Legend of Bagger Vance, and ten percent have commented. Got another comment for Ten Cup. This person. I was y- gonna say it sounds like you just need to go watch Ten Cup. Yeah, yeah, for real. Is their name on Twitter? Straight up. Ten cup by a mile. I really got to go watch this movie. I, I really got to go see this movie. It's a Kevin Costner movie. It can't be bad. I mean, Draft Day. Love Draft Day. Field of Dreams. I mean, the dude's made some of the greatest sports movies of all time. I have to go watch. I, I didn't even know Kevin Costner had a golf movie. Maybe I'm showing my age. But... I I never even knew that this was a thing. Um, so going back to Cajuns baseball quickly, dude, they got to stop giving up freebies. They walked 10 batters last night. 10. I mean, Hayden Dirk got the start. He pitched three innings, three hits, two runs, two earned. He walked three, struck out four. I mean, that's not terrible numbers. Bo Bonds came in, pitched four innings, two hits, two runs, walked three, struck out six. But then, you know, you, you look down the Dylan Thwait. He only got through a third of an inning and he walked two batters. Like numbers like that, you you just not especially when the other starting pitcher, Greg Martinez, goes five innings, only three hits, no runs. You can't expect to win baseball games by doing that. And then the other major comparison that sticks out to me, Louisiana used five pitches, pitchers. Louisiana Tech only used four. But listen to this, the number of pitches thrown. Louisiana Tech threw 159 pitches between those four pitchers, right? UL threw 190. You threw 31 more pitches than the other team's pitching staff. That means your defense was on the field too long. That means you're not scoring runs. And when you're not scoring runs, in case you didn't know how baseball worked, if you're not scoring runs, you're not going to win games. The Cajuns are going to have to find that healthy balance of timely hitting and scoring and good pitching. Because it really seems like, you know, one game you've got great hitting, but the pitching doesn't back you up. And then you got a game where it's a pitcher's duel, and then when you need that run to come in in the, in the back third innings, you're not getting it. So now you're at the halfway point of the year. You're 14-14. and 14. You're going to have to figure it out. 28 games to go. A fairly winnable schedule if you look at it. The 
Cajuns have played their hardest games already. Going to have to find a way to put it together if you want to make the postseason. And if you miss the postseason this year, it'll be the first time in four years. Cajuns have made the postseason in 2018. So you're going to have to you going to have to find a way to get back into the postseason if you want to keep the tradition of Rage and Cajuns baseball alive. Let's take time out here. When we come back, Christian Clark will join us to talk some Pelicans. They're in the play-in. The Lakers are out, and we might end up with their pick. We'll talk about that and so much more here on the game. 103.7 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, at Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. From the Louisiana Raging Cajuns to the latest with the New Orleans Saints and Pelicans. Miguez and Mesh cover it all. I'm not worried. Uh, I think it's something that I can get under control. Now back to more Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. I wanted to correct myself on something. Cajuns haven't made postseason since 2016. I was corrected during the commercial break. 2016, not 2018. So it's been a long time. They need to make it this year. However, the world-famous Angola Prison Rodeo is coming back. And the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, has your free tickets. Text ANGOLA to 68683. That's ANGOLA to 68683. The Angola Prison Rodeo returns on April 23rd and 24th. And you can see all the excitement from bull riding, wild horse racing, convict poker, and more. Text ANGOLA to 68683 to watch the world-famous Angola Prison Rodeo, courtesy of Southwest Louisiana's Sports Station. The Pelicans getting a win last night over the Sacramento Kings locks them up in the play-in tournament. Here to talk about that, to look at the play-in tournament, and to kind of poke fun at the Lakers because it's funny that that they're going to be out of the playoffs is Christian Clark from NOLA News. Christian, good afternoon, man. How are you? Hey, man, doing pretty good. I'm, I'm glad you're honest that like we're just doing this to basically have a Lakers roast. Yeah, I mean, what, why, why else would you, would you talk about the Pelicans? Uh, you know, obviously you're going to talk about the Pelicans and the fact that they made the play-in tournament, and it might be considered one of the greatest turnarounds in recent memory because 1-16 – to start the year, one in twelve, three and sixteen, three and sixteen. That's what I, I knew. I had a sixteen in there somewhere, and, and to now, you know, be thirty-five and forty-four, and, and getting a play-in spot to potentially make it into the playoffs is is incredible. And then you look at the Lakers. I mean, LeBron James, Anthony Davis, Russell Westbrook. You would think that they're going to just run through everybody. They've got a worse record than the Pelicans do. <laughs> I think their GM said, like, to, you know, on air that it was one of the greatest collections of all time uh, before the season. That's of oh, course he's Rob he's eating he's eating those words, isn't he? Yeah, that's, I mean that's tough, man. That is that's a take that has not aged well, um, man. I mean, I, I think like there are obviously concerns about the fit of Russell Westbrook. You know, going into this season, like I definitely had concerns of like this guy's ball dominant, like he's a terrible outside shooter. Um, but part of me was like, look, talent has a way of just you know like meshing together, and like 
fit is not as important as just getting a lot of talent in the room. And it just didn't work, man. I mean, Russell Westbrook was awful this year. He's got a player option for $47 million next year. It's going to be hard to get off that money. And Anthony Davis, man, I mean, like, LeBron the GM, I think I give him an F, but like LeBron the player for being 37 years old in his 19th year, oh, yeah. like I give him an A. He, he did his job. It's just Anthony Davis was hurt a, a bunch and didn't play well. Russell Westbrook was terrible. Anthony Anthony Street Clothes Davis is what is what yeah, I like man. to call him. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Uh, I, I, I kind of agree with the idea that like to me he just played too big. Like it, he looked way bulked up to me and it like – I was just like, I don't know, man. I don't think this is what you should be doing at this stage of your career, like adding 20 pounds of muscle. Like, what makes what makes him amazing is like he, you know, he when he's not hurt, he moves like Kevin Garnett or like, you know, like those those amazing like agile forwards. I don't know. I didn't. It was just weird that he came in so big this year. Yeah, and you know the the t shirt that, that's going around the internet. So when Anthony Davis left the Pelicans, he he had the phrase that said, "That's all, folks." So there, there's a website, and I'm blanking on what the website was, but they make like parody T-shirts, and so it's a it's a red T-shirt in the Looney Tunes font, and it says "That's a haul, folks." Do, do you remember? Uh, do you remember who who brought that phrase into existence? No, the legend Alvin Gentry. Yeah, it was at some charity event, and they asked him like, "Hey, what do you think about the trade?" And he goes, "That's a haul, folks." <laughs> <laughs> I see. I never knew that. That's hilarious. That's fantastic. Yeah, credit to Alvin. Yeah. I'm gonna have to get my hands on that shirt though because that's just too funny. But anyways, chatting with Christian Clark of NolanNews.com. Looking at the the stat sheet last night, Brandon Ingram 17 and eight, uh, Willie Herman Gomez 12 and 12, CJ McCollum scoring 23, Jackson Hayes 23 and 12. He was huge last night for this team. Yeah, I mean, made 10 of the 14 shots he took. Two of those were threes. He stepped into those really confidently. Um, You know, like Jackson moving over to the four, you know, right before the All-Star break full-time, I think has really changed his career. Um, You know, he could always score efficiently on the offensive end no matter what position he was playing, but... But just playing the four has the power forward has allowed him to, you know, kind of do some of the things that, that he really struggles at, and that's be a team's defensive anchor, like wrestle with those really big dudes down low. You know, at power forward, he can just kind of like, you know, do those things in sort of an ancillary role. And man, I mean, he's he's got a lot of talent. Like there was a play in the third quarter where he grabbed the ball off the rim, like dribbled it down, like did a euro step, got fouled, and finished. And I was like. This guy is six foot eleven, and he just went coast to coast. Yeah, he it, it's so impressive watching him him play, especially like you mentioned in that redefined position as the four. But again, you know, looking at at CJ McCollum, we we knew a, a basis of, of what we were going to get when when he came into you know the Pelicans organization, but so far this season, averaging. You know, 22 points per game with New Orleans, it's 25.7 points a game. You keep him, Brandon Ingram, and then you bring in a healthy Zion Williamson next year. Man, there's no telling what this team can do. 
Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I'm, I'm, I mean, I'd love to see what it looks like at full strength. And, I mean, how do you stop that team? Like, I would imagine if they have everyone healthy, you know, their starting five is going to be C.J., Herb, Brandon Ingram, Zion, and Jonas Valanciunas. Like, what do you Yikes. what do you do against that five? Right. With Jackson Hayes and Trey Murphy and Jose Alvarado coming off the bench. Yeah, that's a, I mean, that's a nice team. I mean, like the the front office hitting on Herb at 35 and Jose Alvarado, like undrafted, like those are just, you know, kind of like the complimentary pieces you need to, to find and unearth if you're a small market team. So that was, I think those are really significant moves for David Griffin, Trajan Langdon, you know, as we move forward here. Chatting with Christian Clark on NolanNews.com. All right, Christian, uh, Zion's stepdad went on the Jordy Collada show yesterday and spent time talking about how Zion is health is happy, healthy, and you know is is ready to play. Do you think by by some stretch of the imagination we could see Zion this season? Yeah, I think it's I think it's possible. Um, I mean, I think. Two weeks ago, Zion posted that video of him doing the dunk in the Pelicans practice facility. You know, nobody else was in there. And, you know, I basically said at the time that, like, look, Zion was telling people that, like, my foot feels good. I feel healthy. Um, So he's, I think he's felt this way for, like, at least two weeks now. Um, You know, the team has just continued to to bring him along slowly. Um, He was doing, he he accompanied the team on this four-game road trip, which concluded last night. He was doing one-on-one at the start of it. Um, he was doing a little bit more by the end of it, um, but he still has not gone through one practice with the team yet, you know, like a full five-on-five practice. And there, there's one left in the regular season. It's it's Friday. Um, so I don't know that there's enough time in the regular season. You know, let's say if they make the play and you know, win both those games and they get a first-round series against the Suns, maybe there's enough time then. Um, but... Yeah, I mean, I just, I don't know about, like, the next few days, but, like, maybe if they make a first-round playoff series. All right, Christian, you know, there, there's talks, and, and according to Andrew Lopez, there's a 99.6% chance that the Pelicans end up with the Lakers' first-round draft pick, uh, which it seemingly seems like it could be in the top 10, top 15, somewhere in there. If that's the case and the Pelicans do have an additional first-round pick to attack, where where do you where do you see them going? What position do you find is the position of most need for this organization? Oh man, I mean, so it's gonna. It, there's a 99.6 percent chance that it that it lands somewhere in the top ten. Um, the pick that they they have incoming from the Lakers is top ten protected. If it you know somehow that 0.4 percent chance happens, it goes to Memphis. But um, you know, and all like like there's basically a one in four chance that that pick jumps up to the top four and if if that hits and like they pick in the top four you know things are going to be really interesting i mean that's potentially an extremely valuable pick um you know if they stay in that eight nine range um you know it's still really early but like i think the biggest need and i don't know if they're going to draft for need is is outside shooting i mean they're they're 27th and three point percentage um so you know someone who can just make shots and space the floor for the star players what i is what I would say the biggest need is, but I don't know. I mean, sometimes they've drafted for need, and sometimes they've just taken best player available. What, what do you think about Pablo Paulo Banchero going number one overall now? Um, 
fighting with guys like Chet Holmgren and Jabari Smith, who have kind of been the top two guys all season. But now that Paolo made it all the way to the Final Four and played well throughout the tournament, he's looking at the number one spot. Where, where do you where do you stand on that? I mean, I, I really like him as a player. Like, I don't think he makes much sense for the Pelicans because, like, I think his best skill is, like, he's big and can put the ball on the floor and, and get to the basket and play make. And it's like they have that guy who's just way better at those things than Zion. Like, they need shot makers around him. Uh, but I think he's going to be really good in the NBA. Like, I'm I'm, a, I'm definitely a fan of his. Like, I don't think you find, like, that fluidity and nimbleness in, like, a guy that big too often. Um, so if I had the number one pick and I was starting from scratch, I think I'd either take him or, or Jabari Smith. And I know, you know, if miraculously the Pelicans got the number one pick, I would want to take Jabari Smith because, I mean, six foot ten, like, incredible shot maker. Like, that's a guy I would love to see on this roster. Yeah, you know, this mock draft that I'm looking at from SB Nation has the Pelicans sitting at eighth with that Lakers pick, and it has them taking Ben Mathurin, the guard from Arizona. But also, you know, if you look down the list, that 8 to 11 range, you're looking at Keegan Murray from Iowa, Johnny Davis from Wisconsin, who's in conversation to be the Wooden Award winner, and uh, a, a guy we know pretty well, Tari Eason from LSU. Yeah, I mean, like, it's it's pretty amazing that – you know, the Pelicans are probably going to be picking in, like, the eight range this year. Um, I mean, I don't, you know, coming in, like, they, they had that Lakers pick incoming, and then they, they sent it to the Grizzlies and, you know, the Stephen Adams, Jonas Valanciunas deal. But they said, hey, look, we're going to keep this thing if it lands in the top ten. And I think man, if you'd pulled anybody at the time, they, they few people would have been like, yeah, the Pelicans are going to keep this pick. I mean, right. It just speaks to what a disaster, dumpster fire of a season this was for the Lakers. And, you know, I, I love the pickup of C.J. McCollum, but looking at this mock draft, it has the Trailblazers picking at 11, and it's the pick that we sent to Portland for C.J. McCollum. I'm not saying that I would rather have the two picks in, in subsequential order, but, man, what what kind of youth do you think they could build with, with having those two picks, 8 and 11, like that? Oh, man, uh... <laughs> I don't know that they would use both of them because they have, you know, they got like a lot of young guys already. Um, I mean, if, if that was like the situation where they had both of those, I would probably anticipate like one of them being on the move. Like, I think, I think next year, you know, like you could see like, and even if they just, you know, end up with like just like the eighth pick or whatever, like I think you could see them maybe move it just because I feel like they're going to. They're gonna feel like okay, let's let's press our foot on the gas pedal a little bit. Like it's kind of it's kind of time to go for it a little bit, you know. Yeah, no, no doubt about it. Christian Clark of Nola News has been our guest. Christian, appreciate you taking the time. Enjoyed this last week of the regular season and the craziness that's about to ensue with the postseason. And uh, we'll talk to you down the line, man. Of course, man. Thanks, Christian Clark. There, we'll take a time out. When we come back, we'll wrap up today's show. Talk a little bit more about the poll question. I keep, I, I've keep i gotten three comments in the last 15 minutes that I need to go watch 10 Cup. So I think I know what my night consists of. This is the game. 103.7 Lafayette and 104.1 Lake Charles at Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. The guys here in the game dugout love baseball. It was the game that was passed down to them by their fathers. Hey, Dad... catch 
all of them had such heartwarming moments. This guy threw at his own kid in a father-son game. Now back to more baseball talk here on The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. The Hangout Music Festival is returning this summer to Gulf Shores in the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles has your tickets to this epic weekend of music. You can score VIP passes by becoming a member of the Game Rewards Club at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. Don't miss the return of Hangout Music Fest featuring Post Malone, Halsey, and Megan Thee Stallion, just to name a few. That's Hangout Music Fest, May 20th to 22nd in Gulf Shores, Alabama. Win VIP passes from the game. Southwest Louisiana's port station. Crunch time with me, guys, and mesh. Couple more minutes here. Again, Cajuns softball in Lake Chuck to play McNeese, a 6 30 first pitch in that one tonight from Joe Miller Field at Cowgirl Diamond. LSUL baseball will play Louisiana Tech game two of that midweek series starting at six o'clock. The Masters start tomorrow morning. Uh, Super excited about that, because how could you not be? It's the Masters. Speaking of the Masters, poll question. In honor of the Masters, what is the best golf movie of all time? And so far, it's Happy Gilmore. And you will never tell me otherwise. It's Happy Gilmore. 46% 46% of you say Happy Gilmore, 31% say Caddyshack, 12% say The Legend of Bagger Vance. And then I've got some comments, some new comments. Uh, let's see, somebody commented for 10 Cup, Bagger Vance, Happy Gilmore, 10 Cup deserves some love, 10 Cup by a mile. And then my guy Chico Rodriguez. How the heck is 10 Cup not on this list, Matthew? He brought out the full name on me. I mean, if I didn't have things to do tonight, I'd I'd watch 10 Cup. But I'm a busy man. I've got places to go. I've got people to see. I've got stuff to do. James Mesh, I'm sure you do also. What you you got planned for tonight? Uh, Hopefully catch up on my sleep. Because I didn't, I was not able to sleep last. You night. You didn't sleep much last night. No, the, I did not. Meeting, meeting, hot shot, and TNT just got you too excited. Huh? It really did. It, it really, did. it really did. Yeah, the Globetrotters was a good time. By the way, in spoiler alert, they won. <gasps> Shocker! They won in epic fashion, ninety-three to eighty-nine. That's gonna do it for today's episode of Crunch Time with me, guys, and Mesh here on the game. Come back tomorrow, Jay Walker. Join us for a weekly segment, recap the past two Cajuns games, and look ahead to the weekend series. Everybody be safe. Everybody be well. Give a hug to your mom and them. This is The Game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. See you all tomorrow.